When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello there and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Lots of cricket going on, of course, at the moment all over the world. So we're going to look back at England's excellent performance in Gaul, their first win away from over 13 tests, and also a look at the Australians and how they're going in that series against South Africa as well and look at the uh, the whole makeup of the Australian team. And we're also going to answer some of your questions as well. There have been some interesting questions posted on Twitter and keep them coming in if you can, both to the Analyst at the analyst, and also to cricket underscore man with a double N. You, rem- yes. you remembered it last. And I've got to say something to you. Go on. I think you're the rain god, because you've come home from Sri Lanka <laughs> where it absolutely hosed down with rain every time you went, and it's now hosing down in, in London every time. I mean, it's virtually flooded. It's the perfect storm at the moment in London, because it's all the leaves all over the place, yeah. blocking the drains, and then heavy rain. So I, what's, what, you're to blame. What, what's my secret? I, well, I don't know what my secret is, but I think they could hire me out to some of those countries that are in, are in drought, don't, yes, you, don't you think? definitely. They're like when Dickie Bird ended the drought in Zimbabwe when he went to umpire there. Well, actually, Allegedly. I, I was going to say that, that you are a bit like Dickie Bird, because wherever he went, the clouds seemed to follow... <laughs> So uh, you're the same. And actually, it also bears out what we had Simon King, didn't we, on the Cricket Social last week, talking about the weather and how it's changed and how particularly London has this sort of microclimate Mm. and the buildings give off all this heat, bit bit of convection, water vapour in the atmosphere, bang, you get big clouds in the afternoon. We've got them at the moment. Well, it's it's extraordinary rain in Sri Lanka, extraordinary rain here, but no rain during the the test match, well, at the night time, but not during the day. So it it was fantastic. I mean, everything went England's way, didn't it, apart from that first... First session, although you know they played that aggressive manner, uh, Jerry afterwards even saying you know that that was how we meant to play. It looked like a clear plan for, from England to be aggressive, and he said, "Well, we could have been fifty for five at lunch. We weren't. We were one hundred and thirteen for five, and that helped us rebuild in the afternoon. That might be putting a bit of a gloss on it because there was you know there were two or three really poor shots in that first section, but they got away with it. Brilliant from." Folks, and you wonder now. I mean, just look at that Sri Lanka side. They look to have so many problems at the moment. I mean, Dan and Jaya, Keela Dan and Jaya, has you know, is, 
bowling with a questionable action, mind you, questionable bowling figures as well in that test match. Two for 183. Keep him in. Keep, well, exa- well, well, exactly. Keep him in. I mean, you, I mean, goodness me. It's a problem, isn't it? When you've got that that uh, ability to spin the ball both ways, you know, you think of it as an advantage, but actually, it's not really because. If you're a leg spin and googly bowler, yeah, of course you can throw in the odd googly and that's a nice variation. But if you're a bowler like Dan and Jai where you bowl basically off breaks but also leg breaks, yeah. you actually need a completely different field. And you, uh, it doesn't work either because you've got to bowl a completely different line. And I know he mixes in the leg break with the googly as well, but I think people can read that. So in a way, those sort of mystery spinners are better off with subtle variations rather than major variations. Mm. And so... Th- Dan and Jaya under the microscope. Also, Chandamal, you know, he's he's out, isn't he? And you know, fine player for them. So much depends on Angelo Matthews, and he's you know he's been in dispute with the board after being yeah. dropped after the the Asia Cup. So it just feels that Sri Lanka have got so many problems. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, go back a week and you're thinking, oh, England, are, you know, got no best. They're agonising about what they're going to do with their team selection. The ball's going to spin like a top. You know, what happens if you lose the toss? Well, you know, they, they I think they won a pretty good toss, although the pitch was was decent, wasn't it? You could you could bat on yeah. it. And what I, I, what I really liked about the pitch in Gaul actually was that there was enough for the spinners but not too much so you they were all, they were always in the game but if you if you batted well you could score runs as well yeah and uh, England have obviously I think they've improved a bit against spin haven't they since they're being out in India last year and, and obviously Bangladesh before that where they were just sort of caught napping really and didn't seem to have much of a game plan and young players were sort of posted into being opening batsmen and they didn't really know how to handle it whereas now they've had a bit well they've had a year of sort of time to think about but more than it. a year to think about it it's yeah. actually, it's actually um, two years two, two, two years, years yeah. Tour, yeah so they've had time to think about it and, and adapt and I also think the, the, the Sri Lanka and the spinners are not very good. Mm. Harath, his last test, it looked as if it was his last test somehow. He just didn't seem to have that threat anymore. Probably he was thinking in his mind, this is the last game and I'm ready to go. Probably it was a game too far for him anyway. And the others just, they don't seem to have that much threat. So should be all right for England, yeah. famous last words. I was going to say, cure Sri Lanka win by the innings in, in, in Candy. And what, what will be interesting will be to see Sri Lanka bat first. And if they bat well, you know, get a, a yeah. score on the board, and then the pressure mm. goes on to England. I mean, India have, have coped with that sort of scenario perfectly. They do in their own country. You know, the oppositions make runs in the first innings. They just get more runs and then really squeeze you hard like an anaconda in the third innings. So that, that will be the test for England. What are they going to do? Uh, well, we're a couple of days out from the test match in terms of selection. Just sort of reading the runes from Sri Lanka, you, you just get the feeling that they are not going to recall Johnny Bairstow, that Folks is going to stay as wicketkeeper. That, I mean, that, that's what it looks like at the moment. It can change, of course. Uh, it could be an injury, illness, whatever. Anyway... Uh, what, what do you think about that? No, you, I mean, you, you, I know you, you nailed your colours to the mast. Well, I did in, when in, I was, yeah, I, I, I did mast. when I was put on on the spot. I, just because, because you, but, but, well, tell us what you said. Well, I said at the time that if you were the opposition, who would you least like to face, Burns or Besto opening the batting? Yeah. And I would have thought if you were the if you were the Sri Lankans, you'd say, well, I'd I'd rather bowl to Burns because he's in his second test. Uh, he's a left-hander, so you've got off-spinners spinning it away from him. And I just feel, you know, he's, he's inexperienced yeah. at test level. Bairstow's had a phenomenal three years, hasn't been as effective perhaps since his elevation to opening the batting in one-day cricket. He hasn't been quite as good in test cricket. Uh, his 
sort of his technique has been slightly jeopardised in Test cricket by how he's played in one-day games. Uh, but I still think he's he's an authoritative player. Uh, but of course, he hasn't opened in Test before. Burns is an experienced opener. Anyway, when I was asked what I thought, I said, "Well." Give Bearstow a go, and um, it's a bit harsh on Burns, but I've actually had a rethink. Have you? I've had a bit of flack on Twitter as well, not surprisingly, <laughs> from a lot of Surrey fans saying, you harsh sod, how can you possibly yeah. hack axe a guy after one test? And that's a fair criticism, yeah. and you probably shouldn't. Uh, you know, in the end, Bearstow's just going to have to wait, and if they can find a way to get him in, I suppose the obvious person would be Adil Rashid, who didn't bowl very well in Gaul. I'm still not convinced about his uh, impact in test cricket. He's a fantastic one-day bowler, but he's a very useful third spinner and a very useful wicket-taker. So in, in flat conditions, in if it's a flattish pitch in, in Candy, I guess Rashi will be invaluable. You'd go for the extra bowler rather than the extra batter. If it looks like it's going to really turn, maybe Bairstow would be the option yeah. instead of Rashid. Yeah, because you, you'll need a bit more batting, you think. I mean, England have got plenty of batting, in, in theory, anyway. But, but yeah, you can understand that. You might say, well, two bowlers will better do the job. You don't, you don't really need three spinners. What are they going to do in the future, though? Because they, they've still got a problem there, yeah. I think, because, mm. effectively, if Bairstow plays, you'll have three wicketkeeper batsmen. You... You, you don't need them all. You only really need two of the three, especially if you have the right structure to your team, which is two proper openers. And number three, you think play. You know, you think, oh well, they won't play three spinners. They might only play one spinner in, in say, in the Ashes. But you'll need two extra pace bowlers to come in, won't mm. you? Um, no, I mean, there, there is going to be a time when they can't pick. All of Butler, Bearstow, and Folks, yeah. really. Folks, is unless they leave out someone like Sam Curran, uh, you know that he, yeah. he he's that that might be an option. So if you knock if you knocked out Curran and two spinners, mm. and therefore you you know you bring in Broad and Broad and and Wokes, Wokes. and and Bearstow, say yeah. for, for those three come in, you know, something like that. Anyway, but they. It's a difficult situation that they've they've almost created for themselves. I mean, normally what happens in these situations is one of somebody gets injured. Mm. Obviously, Bears is the one who was injured, but he'll come back. Somebody there'll be a, a way yeah. of fitting them in, but they had this problem the one day side for a while, didn't they? And they couldn't solve it, yeah, because Bester couldn't get in. And then Hales yeah. can't get in. Yeah. Well, I mean, he played, he's played a little bit, yeah. but he can't yeah. get in now. And you think, well, you know, Alex Hales has got to be in England's one day side, but he, but he can't get in. So, I mean, everyone says it's a great problem to have. Um, I don't know whether it is or not. I mean, I suppose it's better to have too many good players rather than not enough good players. Mm. We'll talk about the batting order um, in, in a bit, actually, to respond to some of your questions. But uh, just, I suppose that's a segue into Australia, who would love to have England's embarrassment of riches with the bat. They've struggled through the series against South Africa, which they obviously lost in the end. Although they did come back well in that second game. But they just don't look a threat no. with the bat, really, do they? No, they just, not consistently. No, they 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 they've got they just look a, not quite right. Uh, and I think also that they're talking about you know what's going on off the field quite a lot openly. And those players are talking about it. So I mean, clearly, what's has happened off the field has had an effect on the players. Uh, they perhaps don't quite know how to act on the field. You know, they sort of sense that mm. perhaps they they feel they have to behave in this sort of very, quite an un-Australian way. I mean, you're brought up to play in Australia in that very aggressive way. You know, grey cricket is, you know, intense and hard and people going at each other. And they're almost being told... It, f- it feels as if they've been told, you know, you, you know, we can't play like that at the moment. I don't know whether you think that's that's fair or not. Did you did you play grey cricket or not? Yeah, I, I definitely what, did. What, what was it like? People at you the whole time? Absolutely at your throat all the time. I mean, you just couldn't... 
escape the the threat, both physically and verbally, of the the Australians. I mean, it was one of my it's one of my sort of favourite stories actually of playing in a. I got out to play in Sydney grade cricket and they said, well, first, before the, the grade cricket starts, we're going to go on a country tour. So I thought, great. You country know, tour? Country tour of New South Wales. So we set off in what, a... drinking tour? Of, well, kind of, but they're playing a bit of cricket as well. So we set off in these various vehicles, sort of five five vehicles, you know, three per vehicle, off on tour to inland New South Wales, to places like Young and Cootamundra, where uh, Donald Bradman was, was uh, came from, and that sort of area, sort of about three or four hours inland from Sydney. And I was really looking forward to this first game at, I think it was called called yeah i think it was young cricket club uh is a nice i mean a typically australian town you know where the bark is absolutely sort of that, those eucalyptus trees mm. you know with really sort of uh, um very rough uh, striated bark and really really tough looking environment very hot we're in the middle of a greyhound track because the ground tracks on the outside, and they made a cricket mm. ground in the middle. We changed at the back of a ute. There was no actual mm. changing rooms, and it was just a very convivial atmosphere. They said, "Oh, great to see you, mate! You know, fantastic. Thanks for coming down here and playing against us and all that." So we had this warm-ups and everything. They're all right, you know. The pitch would be good and play knocking up on the outfield, and everyone was really encouraging. We batted first, my my team, Sydney University. And uh, you know, the game went went along quite nicely, and then I, I came into bat at number seven, mm. which is probably a couple a of little, places a too little, high, a little high. But anyway, you know, it was my first game out in Australia, so I didn't really know quite what to expect. And there was a guy bowling uh, who had a big red sort of red face, and they called him Blood Clot. He was really kind of almost. He looked like he was about to burst. And then the keeper was a had a re- big red orange beard, and he was known as Bushfire. And the little blood clot was bowling these little kind of not very dangerous looking seamers. Uh, keeper standing up to the stumps. I thought, well, I'd be easy to be able to get a few runs here. And I got out to to the middle to take guard. And I thought, yeah, they're going to be quite friendly here and give me a few. You know, mm. I know I'm a pom who's come out for the for the for the winter, and so they'll be quite friendly. The, the wicketkeeper stared at me as I took guard. You know, two legs, please. And then he just there was a bit of a silence, and then he just said to me, mate. You're as welcome out here as a turd in a swimming pool. And that was it. And I sort of looked, oh, thanks very much. And I, could, I couldn't really sort of concentrate anymore. And this little blood clot bowled me a couple of medium paces. I blocked two, hit the third one straight back to him, caught and bowled. Thanks very much. Thanks for coming. So the sledge got you out, did it? Sledge just totally undermined me. I thought, well, God, no. <laughs> I mean, thanks. That's really lovely. So it's hard and aggressive and remorseless, even in midweek yeah. in country, country New South Wales. Yeah. So, yes, of course, the Australian players who've now been told to behave nicely and smile and all that mm. are probably struggling with it. Mm. Also, I mean, look at their one-day side. Aaron Finch mentioned this after the defeat to South Africa in the third game. We saw, so we, you know, we, we saw a bit one-dimensional. We've got a lot of the same type of players. I, you know, they're all aggressive. And you actually look at the England side, well, they're quite aggressive as well, but they have got Joe Root, who is that sort of calming presence in theory in the middle order, and, and Morgan as well, you know, who's a very experienced player. And he, you know, he, he's not the ultra-aggressive player that he used to be. 
you know, he will nudge it and nerdle it around as well. So they have got that sort of balance in the middle order. As Australia sort of go out, I mean, they put Chris Lynn up for the third game uh, to try to you know, get off to a, a flying start. And that didn't work. He tried to force Dale Stain away off the off the back foot in the in the first over and, and nicked off. Uh, it was a good game, though. I mean, brilliant from South Africa. I just wonder about their you know chances in, in the World Cup. I and mean, they've they've always got to the World Cups and then. Not been quite Choked. good enough. Well, if if you want <laughs> yes. to use that word, you yeah. know they. I know they hate it. They absolutely hate but, it. But, but, they, but I mean, but, there was that second game where you felt they had the chance of sealing the the the, the series, uh, where they needed what I don't know fifty or fifty yeah. balls or something like that, and there's three or four wickets left, and David Miller was in, and they just they just they faltered and lost, and you know some good bowling at the end by someone like Mitchell Stark, but I just felt then actually that that. And put them under severe pressure, mm. especially chasing, and they they seem to they do seem to falter. They yeah, wonder what they've got in their lower order, in South Africa. Yeah, I think that's the, that's their problem. Sort of their late middle order and lower order, whether they've got the quality to win games. But they certainly got a good bowling attack. Yeah, and they showed it in that last game where they just didn't didn't allow Australia to get away. Really. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean Australia were chasing three twenty. I mean they they threatened. Sean Marsh played it, but absolutely stunning innings. Uh, but they got rid of Stoinis in the sixties, and uh, you know they just were able to they've keep, got keep a lid takers, on it. Yeah, they've they? got they have got wicket takers definitely, um, and I mean in theory Australia have as well. But... I mean the thing that's I think the thing with Australia is gonna, that's going to hamper them. You know we're looking ahead to the World Cup now because all these one day games are about that, and the problem they're going to have is they don't get Smith and Warner back mm. until what April? That's right, April a month before the tournament. So yeah. you know they, they haven't really had the, 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 what England have really been working on is keeping that top order fairly consistent now for two or three years. So they each know each other's roles. They each have a particular way of playing in a way which suits the team and they can each work round that you know on all the running between the wickets and trusting each other and knowing when you need to rotate the strike for someone because they've been starved of the strike for a while knowing how to which players are, are better against particular bowlers for instance uh, it, you know that's all very very valuable information to have at your disposal especially when you get to critical moments of games which Australia are not going to have that information because they're not going to be able to play together with except for sort of a couple of a few matches just before the yeah. World Cup with the with the 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 return of Warner and, and Smith, it's going to be a great competition. I think if the weather behaves itself, the the the, the thing would be, of course, is just to get in that top four. If you can get in that top four, get to a semi final, then obviously it's just so on the day. Everything else not not goes out the window because you you're, you're right. You have all those plans that you put in place. Everyone knows their roles, but you know you can have a day, can't you? On in, in a semi final, the opposition can have an off day, as England had in that. In that match in, in Cardiff, so get to the semi-finals. I mean, you'd think, you'd think that it's England and India are going to be in those semi-finals. You think it's two from the from the rest, really. Pakistan are, they've got some danger about them as they show winning the Champions Trophy. But you know, you think South Africa and Australia have got a, a decent chance of making the semi-finals, and then from there, can you do it on the day? South Africa, they're just a, they're a little bit thin, aren't they? They've got, they've got a few holes in their team, but they've got some talented players. I mean, Miller yesterday, absolutely brilliant, and Duplessis. Well, I was thinking about Duplessis. What a massively improved cricketer he is. Yeah, I, I don't know. He, he, he did really well, actually. When he first got into the IPL playing for Chennai Super Kings, mm. he was phenomenal. And then he seemed to have a bit of a dip for a while, and and then he sort of got into test cricket a bit more and became a more of a, a dogged sort of batsman. Perhaps now he's starting to find the the tempo between the two which works. Yeah, it's just my sense. I mean when he was 
when he was playing for Lancashire, mm. you wouldn't have thought, no. oh, there's a future captain of South Africa <clears throat> necessarily. So I'm perhaps going back, you know, a bit further anyway. Yeah, I, and I like his captaincy actually. Mm. I think he's he's got the right approach. Oh, it's interesting actually. You hear him just doing his toss interview before the game on on Sunday against Australia. He was talking about the World Cup in that interview. You know, everything is now geared towards that. So, a little confidence booster for South Africa to go to Australia and win, albeit Australia not the you know they're not the outfit that we've come to know and respect over the years in in one day cricket. But that, you know they they all they all take a they all take a bit of beating, don't they, on the Australian side? Okay, well, now we're going to answer some of your questions that you sent in on Twitter. So thanks very much for those, and keep them coming, by the way. Uh, Any kind of time that you have a burning question, just post it on Twitter. We'll pick it up, and we'll we'll look at it for next week. Uh, This is from Amped89, and it's a good one, good topical question. How much do batting positions really matter? Can England just pick three or four batters and a bunch of all-rounders and stick them wherever? This is an argument we often have with Boyks, isn't it, about the importance of specialist openers and all that. I think openers in test cricket probably are specialist jobs because dealing with the new ball is is hard, it's different, but I think it's particularly different in England where you're facing the Duke ball and that needs a, a certain type of batsman to deal with the movement, the swing, the seam as well in English conditions on grassy pitches. Abroad, probably not so much. Maybe the bounce in Australia early on needs someone who can stand up and handle that. But, I mean, modern batsmen, most modern batsmen are able to kind of deal with it, aren't they? I think it's the movement that you get from a Duke's ball in English conditions which requires a specialist opener, but elsewhere, not not so much. So this goes to the debate about whether Bairstow could actually open the batting or not. He did it once... Uh, off the top of my head, for Yorkshire last year in a game against Essex in the second innings, when he came out and blazed away, uh, Yorkshire behind on first innings. He's, he's obviously moved up in, in one-day cricket. You know, if you're looking for a, a spot for Bairstow, I know Jennings made the 100 and Burns has just started, but you, you, you think in a way, if, you, if you're looking for a specialist batting position, you know it's made for someone to come in and, and open. Could, could Bairstow, does he have the game to make that transition in Test cricket? Well, yeah, I, I think, you think he, he does. Well, I think he does overseas. I'm not so sure he does in England because I think the ball moves too much and he's too hard at it. But in Sri Lanka, India, even Australia, actually, I think he could easily open. The, the problem comes when you've got a batsman who, who goes very hard at the ball, maybe leaves a bit of a gap between bat and pad, uh, which Bearso tends to, which also Jason Roy does, actually. Alex Hales did for a while. And that got exposed in English conditions because the ball just does too much. When you're growing up, you know, when you're at school or whatever, primary school, if, you get, if you're able to play cricket at primary school or you know, play at club cricket level under 11s or whatever, you always wanted to open, didn't you? You wanted to get open on number three. You wanted yeah. to be right at the top of the order because you, you sense that, I suppose, what were you played in those days, 20 overs, say, that was you know, going to be your best chance to, to have a game. It's also sort of that self-respect as well, that you're, you're seen as one of the best players. Is that necessarily the best place to play? I mean, it's all sort of the glamour position is number three, but Joe Root's moved down to number four. And actually, in a way, he's talking about the new ball bowlers, especially playing in England, actually it might be better 
to bat at number five. Or the, the way players play well, yeah. these days, attacking players, you know, someone like Josh Butler, he has, a, he has a field day at number seven, say. And the, the strength of the lower order in teams now, with mm. batsmen actually, yeah. you know, tail-enders and bowlers practising their batting, and it's a very important aspect, so you don't actually call them tail-enders anymore, it's the lower order. I think Duncan Fletcher was the first yeah. who sort of almost abolished the idea of tail-enders, and you, you just called it the lower order. So that gives a number six or seven more time and more scope, hopefully, to build a, bit, a bigger yeah. innings because you've got guys down the order who can stay in. I mean, is it, an easy, it is an easier place to bat, five, six, seven, because the ball's softer, the bowler's technically a tire, more tired, so it, it should be an easier place to bat. But at the same time, you do potentially run out of partners sometimes. So is there the scope to make a double century at number six? Probably not. In fact, interestingly, it was going to be the first year since, I think, 1963 right. that nobody had made a double hundred in Test cricket in the whole calendar year until... Uh, Mushfika Rahim made 219 not out. The for, little wicketkeeper. Yeah, Bangladesh against Zimbabwe in the Test match that's, that's Another wicketkeeper yeah. making runs. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it's interesting, isn't it, because that, that's unusual to not get a few double hundreds. It, it seems as if... We're not creating the, those sort of batsmen, the, the Jai Wardeners, the Cooks, the Dravids, who just wanted to bat all day and all the next day as well. Batsmen now are more inclined to make an impactful innings of 120 or 80 or even 140, but there are less players who are prepared to just knuckle down and bat and bat and bat endlessly and make those massive scores. Yeah, I suppose two things you said. That One is that you, know, you would expect... A, a team or a player to score a double hundred against Zimbabwe, especially in subcontinental conditions, if you win the toss and bat first on, you know, on a flat pitch. Having said that, and this is my other point, what a magnificent effort from Zimbabwe to win a Test match in Bangladesh, as they did last week. England, you know, lost there. They lost a Test match in, in Dhaka. Australia mm. lost lost a Test match in, in Bangladesh. It's not an easy place to win. So that, you know, that was an excellent effort from them to do that. Yeah. Even though they've conceded that first double hundred of the year. Um, just to sort of quickly respond to the rest of that question, Cannington pick three or four batters and a bunch of all-rounders. Well, that's what they do, isn't it? And that's what they do. <laughs> it works well. And I think, you know, next test, they, they could easily bat Butler or Stokes at number three if they wanted. Yeah, I mean, Ed Smith, he made this point. People were saying, oh, we're just becoming a team of all-rounders. That he, he says, no, what I'm doing, or what we are doing as a selection panel, is we are picking the best 11 players. It doesn't matter whether they're all-rounders. And actually, what he's saying is, why, why, are we, why are we denigrating all-rounders as if it's all, some sort of lesser class of cricketer? He said, it's fantastic to have a, a guy that can bat, bowl and field, as is, as is the case with, with Ben Stokes, and yeah. Adi Rashid, who can bowl and bat. And it's good to be a cricketer who's involved yeah. all the time, isn't it? That's what we play the game for, really. Batting and bowling, scoring runs and taking wickets. So, and not fielding. Absolutely. And, field, and fielding, of course. <laughs> well, you do more fielding than anything else, so you've got to learn to love it. That's what Ian Chappell used to say. Yeah. You'd better love it, otherwise you're going to do a lot of it, mate. Yeah. Um, Will Ke- this is another question here from Cat Brown, who says, Will Keaton Jennings be given and have enough time to prove himself against pace before the Ashes? Well, I would say that the answer to that question is, no, he won't have time to prove himself against pace before the Ashes, and therefore he's, he's almost certain to stay in the team for the Ashes, you, you'd think. I mean, if he, if he fails in the rest of this series, which, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily say so, because, you know, he looks a very capable player of spin. He's got three test matches against West Indies, 
Uh, and you know, but they've got they, a good pace attack, the West Indies, yeah, potentially. But, yeah, I mean, the, the pitches are quite... Shannon, Shannon Gabriel. The pitches can be quite slow in, mm. in, in the Caribbean, and it'd be quite you know, reasonably spin-orientated as well. Yeah, I mean, well, you're, you're right. I mean, if he does get found out by West Indies pace bowlers, say, you know, say he goes to the West Indies and has five or six failures against pace, then, you know, the, then the question marks will be drawn very heavily. I mean, it's, of course, it's a long time until the Ashes. Yeah. It's August next year. Well, you talk I was about just looking at, I was looking, Yeah, exactly. I, I was looking at the, uh, the Lord's Test, tickets for the Lord's Test, uh, the Ashes Test next year, August the 14th, I think it is. Yeah. So it's virtually a year away, you know, yeah. nine months anyway. So anything could happen in that time. They got one test against Ireland as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I looked, I watched uh, Keaton Jennings batting a, a bit in that first test, and I thought, yes, he did very well against spin. As soon as he came up against seam, he just looked that bit more hesitant. And I'm not sure that's going to completely go away, but maybe the confidence of making more runs and being in the team for a long time will help. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's that's the absolute bottom line. The the fact that he he scored a Test match hundred after after a long time without scoring one, he contributed enormously to the success of the team. And we talked about the pressure he was under as well, and that in that quite memorable post match press conference. You don't often hear sportsmen or women talking that openly while they're playing about the pressure he felt. And so clearly. And that pressure is lifted, uh, and you, what you would hope is that you're able to use that confidence for the rest of your game, not just playing against spin. OK, one more question here. This is from Phil Cairns, Filipino72, who says, Great winning goal, but how significant is it really? How weak are the Sri Lankans? Well, yeah, that's a good question, and they are pretty weak, I think. Since they've lost those big names the Sangakaras and Jai Wardeners and obviously Murali and now Harath as well. I think they are pretty weak. Yeah, well, they they, they aren't strong. They, they've got lots of problems on, on and off the field, which we've sort of outlined at the start of this podcast, you know, Dan and Jaya and, and Chandy Mal, there's all those sort of match-fixing allegations that have been swirling about in, in the in the background as well. I don't know whether you know that has any sort of effect. They're lacking in confidence. But they did beat South Africa by mm. two matches to nil, albeit on... on Turning pitches, and I, I just wonder whether they'll just say, Right, let's have enough. Let's, let's, let's produce a Chittagong or a Dakar, you know, really go for it. Let's go, let's go for a shootout at the OK Corral in Candy, three day, three day test match, two and a half day test match, ball turning square, or whether they are actually prepared to, to you know, to take on England, hope they win the toss, take on England on a pitch that we saw in Gaul where there is, you know, enough for everybody if you're prepared to be. Patient enough as a batsman, skillful enough as a bowler, and I suppose skillful enough as a batsman as well. Thing is, if it's a flat pitch, England will win mm. because they've got more bowling options and better quality in the batting. If it's a real minefield, a Bunsen burner, it's a lottery then. Yeah. They could win, but the Sri Lankans haven't really got quite enough quality to probably exploit that consistently they might take some quick wickets they might get some runs but I don't feel apart from Matthews they've got a a player of real genuine international quality that's the thing they probably rely on Matthews to produce something special I thought he looked good actually in that test match two two half centuries but sort of the pressure of the match was just too much for him and I did say you know when he got out in that first innings that's game over and it it just really felt like that took England you know a couple of days more to win the game, but he's such an important player in that side. He's got the quality. I mean, Karen Aratner at the top of the order didn't yeah, have a good decent, test match, but he had yeah. a very good game against South Africa, Africa where yeah. he played the spinners, you know, superbly. I, mean, I, just by all accounts. I just say that overall, I feel a bit sorry for Sri Lanka because their first class structure is, is fairly rudimentary and they haven't got enough players to really compete with the might of England. England, you know, you think back to when England 
when Sri Lanka first came into Test cricket, they had very, a very good schools and club structure. I, I played in it, and you know I saw some high quality players, and they did compete with England. Obviously, they had the advantage of somebody like Murali, and they had Jaitaria, and you know other fantastic players. But now the other parts of the world have caught up. They're a bit more sophisticated. They're a bit fitter. You know, there's so much analysis. There's so much resource put into, say, English and Australian cricket in particular. And so the players, ideally, should be now performing above themselves or at least at the level that they're expected to. And I know, look, I know England have had inconsistencies and so on, but generally speaking... They've got enough resources, they've got enough backroom staff to make sure that those players are absolutely top-notch, whereas Sri Lanka are still flailing around trying to find players who haven't had the, the first-class experience, who haven't got the backup, who haven't got the resources to be able to be really top-class. Mm. I, mean, I would say Sri Lanka, are a bit, they look a bit thin. Uh, not, no confidence in that one-day side. Um, but in their own conditions, mm. I think they're still a threat. If Don't they, write them off. Well, no, not so much that. If they, England should win the series, you feel now. It's a bit mm. bigger back turn. England look confident, they look strong. And they've got some very good cricketers in England. They haven't performed in, in the subcontinent. So that's the challenge for England, isn't it, now, to, to really build on what they saw, what they achieved in Gaul, and to really sort of nail down the series in a sort of ruthless, sort of professional way. Uh, and they have got the quality, but they are—they are a vulnerable team as well. You could—you could still see England losing, you know, five wickets for for forty against oh, the voice un, of un, doom under pressure Simon against Spain. Well, you can. We've seen it happen so often. You would—you wouldn't expect it, but if Sri Lanka could win this, get some runs on the board, and then try to build some pressure as England were able to do in that in the Gaul Test match. But looking at these two sides and on, on paper and on and in practice on the field England, England have got quite a lot of bases covered they, you know they've got if, if it is a minefield pitch spinning square then England, England have got options as well well listen that's it thank you very much for your questions keep them coming in as I say don't forget if you're starting to think about Christmas now there is a great offer on the Cricketer website now thecricketer.com forward slash Christmas you can get subscription to the Cricketer magazine and a £25 John Lewis voucher as well, free to give to somebody that you can't think what to give them for Christmas. So a perfect offer there. And if you don't want to give them the cricketer, you can have just have a recording of me saying, we're doomed. <laughs> we're doomed. That's, that's what you'd like, isn't it? We're not. We're not doomed. No, we're no. going to win this series. Yes, absolutely. When you say we, you mean England? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, since when have I been Sri Lankan? Anyway, thank you for listening and we'll speak to you next week. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.